and gentlemen, here to perform a slam poem about the 1990s sitcom Full House, Tom Hanks. Full house. House full of men. Danny, Jesse, Joey, father, uncle, friend. Uncle Jesse, whose hair is never messy. Watch the hair, huh? Have mercy on Uncle Jesse. Three men raising three girls. Or are the girls raising them? Wake up, San Francisco! Danny Tanner screams through the TV screen. His three girls watch by themselves. No women in this full house. This house full of men. <laughs> DJ Tanner. Oh, my Lanta! Stephanie, how rude! <laughs> Little Michelle, you got it, dude. We sit on the bed, get patted on the head. Our sins we confess, and we learn a life lesson from the men, the men of this full house, this house full of men. Cut it out. Well, hey, Velocity Church, glad you're here today. We are wrapping up this series, a little Cliff Notes version of the life of David. And for the last three weeks, we've been looking at David and sort of the different personalities and the different character traits of him. Uh, First, we looked at him being a shepherd boy and kind of his humble roots and beginnings. Uh, The second week, we looked at him being a great warrior. Most of us know David and Goliath, and that's kind of what he's known for mostly. He's also known for his greatest uh, failure, David, and uh, the story of Bathsheba, which we talked about him being a king, which him being a king was full of of lots of uh, victories and lots, lots of failures all in one. And today we're talking about David being a, a poet. You know, maybe those things don't really match up. You think of like David being a warrior, a king, a shepherd, but he was also a poet. And maybe when you think of poetry, I don't know, I don't like poetry. And every time I think of poetry, I think of poetry slams where I'm not sure what they're talking about unless it's some 90s sitcom or something like that. But today we're talking about David and kind of this, this subject of him being a man after God's own heart because for me that's one of the most defining characteristics about David is that he was a man after God's own heart. And as we saw last week, I mean, this, this guy was a horrible father. He was a horrible husband. I mean, a lot went wrong in his life. So why would God have this sort of attribute for him? And I think there's um, a couple things we can do is we can kind of unlock some of his poetry, a couple of his songs. I like to think that David is kind of a man after Chip's own heart because he's like a musician, a songwriter. He plays the lyre. I kind of do that too. And anyway, so he's, he's like a guy that I would like to be like in, in a lot of ways. And so what makes a, a man after God's own heart or a person after God's own heart? Uh, so we're going to look at the Psalms today. Um, not all of them. There's 150 Psalms. If you don't know what Psalms are, Psalms are this, this book in the Bible. And if you take your Bible, a paper Bible that is, and if you kind of like go right to the middle, you open up to Proverbs. Or almost, uh, you open up to the book of Psalms. There's 150 Psalms, and these are a collection of songs uh, and poetry and a lot of other cool things. And David was the author of 76 of the 150 Psalms, so he wrote a lot. And so we're going to look at uh, just a couple of uh, some of the famous ones and some of the ones that I like today. 
And hopefully it will give us a clue about uh, why David was a man after God's own heart. And maybe one of the questions we can answer is, how can we become a person after God's own heart? So if you have uh, your program, I'd like you to take some notes and maybe encourage you to write some things down, because I think that will be beneficial to you. So uh, what made David a man after God's own heart? Um, How can I be a person after God's own heart? I think the first thing is, and this is what David did, I think this is what we can do, is that we can make a decision in your head to worship. David made a decision in his head to worship God. Now, when you say worship, uh, a lot of things come to mind. Maybe um, we talked about that where we, we sang. Uh, sometimes we come to a service, a worship service. Uh, sometimes you might think of praying or reading your Bible, doing worshipy stuff. And a lot of times it's like confined to an hour in this room. But, but worship is such a grander word than that. Um, and I think one of the best definitions in the Bible is found in Romans 12, verse 1. It says, Paul writes this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So Paul goes on to define what worship is. He says it's offering your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. You've been made that way through Christ, holy and pleasing to God. And that you're offering your body as a living sacrifice. I believe that David was a man after God's own heart because he continually offered his body as a living sacrifice. Well, what does that mean? I believe that means that David had a mindset. He made a decision to say, I'm going to wake up most days. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to say, God, um, whatever you will in and through me today, uh, I give you my body. I give you my life. I give you my will, and do with me as you wish. And I think that's part of it. You know, Jesus once said, he was talking with his woman about what worship was, And he said that um, the true worshipers, right, the people after God's own heart must worship him in spirit and in truth. And these are the kind of worshipers that God desires. And I believe that David was one of those people. He was someone who worshiped God in spirit and in truth. A couple examples of this, and this is probably the most famous psalm. If you've ever been to a a funeral, you've probably heard this, or maybe you're into 90s rap music. Uh, This is a pretty famous psalm. Psalm 23, first couple verses of this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow. You know, that was horrible rapping. You know, kind of like Neil, I I don't rap. I'm sorry about that, disparity of that. But that's a very famous psalm. Maybe you've heard that before. But what I like about that is that for me, that's a great case of David offering his body as a living sacrifice. If you look at the words, they just drip of saying, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. In the first week of this series, we looked at David being a shepherd, and he was in charge of these sheep and would give his life for these sheep, and that was under his care and protection. And as a manly man, David says, you are my shepherd. You know, I shall not want for anything. And he's being led by God. I think that's awesome. Another example of this is found in Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. I love this psalm for a couple reasons. One, just uh, you two made a version of this song. It was called 40. And uh, every time I read this song, I'm, I'm, I'm humming that, that U2 song in my head. But, but more than that, I think this is another case of David saying, I'm, I'm waiting for you. 
I'm patient for you. I'm offering my body as a, as a living sacrifice for you to do with me as you wish. Um, I love you too. And so I kind of got inspired to uh, take one of David's psalms, uh, Psalm 61. And it's one of my favorites. And I, I wrote a song with that. So I'm going to kind of sing that for you. And the word's going to be on screen. I've never done this here at Velocity, so you're welcome to, to sing along if you, if you get it. Otherwise, I'd just like you to kind of focus on the words and just think about the character and heart of David as he was writing these. of the earth I call out to you and my heart grows faint come and make me new lead me to the rock that is high above me keep me safe at home in the warmth of your ways day after day who I'll sing the praises of your name you have guarded me and been so kind. Draw me close to your love, who I'll never be the same. I long to dwell with you. Until the end of time mm-hmm. From the ends of the earth I call out to you And my heart grows faint mm-hmm. Come and make me new Lead me to the rock that is high above me. Keep me safe at home in the warmth of your ways. Day after day. I'll sing the praises of your name. You have guarded me, been so kind. Draw me close to your love, who will never be the same. I 
long to dwell with you until the end of time. Call out to you Lord, I'm calling out to you Yeah I call out I don't know if, um, can you hear the spirit of David's heart through that? You know, I'm calling out to you. And, and David had a lot of reason to, to be full of himself. You know, he's one of the central figures in the Bible, a man after God's own heart. Uh, but you see so many instances of this where he's, he's not full of pride. He's not full of himself. He's, he's helpless and he's desperate and he's calling out to God to, to help him, uh, to set his feet above a rock that, that's higher than him. And, uh, and I believe that's the kind of worshiper that, that God desires. It's the kind of person that he wants us to be as well. Um, I've got a couple challenges uh, I'd like you to think about as, as we go through these uh, reasons of how to be a, a person after God's own heart. Uh, the first challenge is this. I just want to challenge you to do this this week, is to write out a prayer. Uh, maybe you've never done this before. Uh, there's a reason that I write out my prayers, and I, I pray all the time, but I mean, and this is kind of embarrassing to say because, you know, I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to walk around with like a halo and angels singing and stuff like that. But uh, it's really hard for me to pray because I get so distracted. And I don't have ADHD or anything like that. But, man, I'm sitting down praying, closing my eyes, and 30 seconds later I'm thinking of stuff i got to do or what's on Netflix tonight or something like that, you know. Um, and so when I write out a prayer, I'll take my laptop and I'll go to the library and I'll just, I'll just write them out that way. And it's amazing because it keeps me focused. But I think more importantly than that, it keeps me really honest. And what I mean by that is my prayers to God um, in group settings, they're, you know, I'm saying big words, big Christian words, and trying to sound holy and stuff like that. But my prayers to God are a little bit more honest. If you read through the Psalms, uh, you know, they're pretty striking of the things that David communicated to God. Uh, he didn't pull back very much. And his, he expressed frustration with God, his anger with God, his disappointment with God, his, his joy in the Lord. I mean, the whole gamut of emotions. And when I, when I pray like that, I'm, I'm doing the same. And um, so I just want to encourage you to do that this week, is, is write out a prayer. Maybe you're a journaler and you do that, but um, I think you'll find out that you'll keep you focused and it will keep you honest. And so that's the first challenge. So how can we be a person after God's own heart? One, make a decision in your head to worship. And number two... Make a decision in your heart to worship. Um, Psalm 119 says this, I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame, for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Um, I like that, that phrasing that, you know, I'll find my delight in your commandments, which I, I love. Uh, lift up my hands. 
Um, I want to be careful about saying that, you know, anyone who lifts their hands is more, more spiritual than that, but sometimes when I'm uh, singing or playing up here and I see a couple of you just going for it in worship, uh, hopefully, you know, if you're, if you're a hand lifter, that's cool. If you're not, that's totally cool too, but um, I think David was a person who let his, uh, his body express what was going on in his heart, you know, and when he's lifting up his hands, I think that's an outward expression of David just being, again, submissive and not full of pride and just saying, I'm, I'm reaching out to you. You know, your word and your, your precepts and your law, I, I love, and I want to know more of that. Uh, one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 8. This is more of the same. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind? that you are mindful of them, human beings, that you care for them. When I read the psalm, I like to think, I don't know when David wrote this, but I like to think that maybe uh, his experience in this time being a shepherd out there in the, in the fields of, of Israel and during the nights where he's watching over his flock, he's just staring out into the, the sky and he's just thinking about how small he is in relation to the stars and the majesty of the, of the skies and thinking, you know, how, how do you care about us? How are you mindful? Of us. I love the way the message puts this verse, these last two verses. It says, I look to your macro skies, dark and enormous, your handmade sky jewelry, moon and stars mounted in their settings. When I look at my micro self and wonder, why do you bother with us? Why take a second look our way? You know, and David doesn't answer those questions. Why do you bother with us? Why do you take a second look our way? I, I don't know. It's kind of fun to think about. You know, when he thinks about those, those macro skies, you know, there's, there's lots of stars in the universe. Um, our sun is one of them, right? You know, a lot of times we don't think of the sun as a star, but our sun is something that uh, provides life on Earth. It's, uh, it's bright. It's beautiful. It rises every day in the east, sets every day in the, in the west, and we sing songs like, Mr. Golden Sun, please shine down on me. You know, so the sun is a great thing, but it's, it's a star, Right? That's uh, the closest star to us in our solar system. And so through the use of the Hubble telescope, the Hubble telescope, uh, we can zoom into the star, and you see it's a little bit more ferocious than that Mr. Golden Sun. You know, it's a little, this is a little twinkle, twinkle little star. These are one of, you know, billions and billions of stars in the galaxy, and this is the one that's uh, most familiar to us. So I'm not a chemist, but I think this is a nuclear fusion engine that's been running for a long time, and it's probably going to go for another five billion years. So this is like a, a ferocious star. Um, when you blow it up to 15 feet, uh, just to kind of give you a, uh, a picture of the Earth, if the Earth were a golf ball, this is what the sun would look like in relation to. So. Yeah, so if uh, you filled the Earth... Um, if you filled the sun full of Earths, you could fit 960,000 of those Earths inside the sun. So if that was a golf ball, you could fill a whole school bus full of golf balls, okay? So this is a large, large thing. Uh, there's another a star in our uh, galaxy. It's called uh, Betelgeuse. Uh, there's another term for it called Betelgeist, but let's just call it Betelgeuse. But Betelgeist is a, uh, is a large star, and it just looks like a kind of an orange blob 
on the screen, though, through the use of the Hubble telescope. It's about 650 light years, so all the, if you want to go to it, just get in a spaceship that goes the speed of light. Just go for 650 years. It's actually relatively close uh, in our Milky Way uh, system. And so uh, Betelgeuse is, is kind of big. It is twice the size. You thought I was going to say sun, didn't you? It is twice the size of the Earth's orbit around the sun. You don't seem too impressed, do you? All right, let me give you this way. Okay, if the Earth were a golf ball, okay, and you wanted to see the height of Betelgeuse kind of next to it, you would have to go to New York City and put your golf ball on the side of Lower Manhattan Street and look up at the Empire State Building, okay? So that is the, actually I wrote that wrong, um, six Empire State Buildings, okay? You see uh, any relation? To get a picture of this, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to find where you are on this. You're going to have to go to New York, so I'm going to draw New York. There he did. Okay, 50 miles an hour, go to New York, uh, go to Lower Manhattan, put your golf ball on the side of the street, look up at the Empire State Building, imagine five more on top of that, and that is the height of Betelgeuse. If the Earth could fit inside Betelgeuse, you could fit 262 trillion Earths inside Betelgeuse. To give you a picture of that, if the Earth were a golf ball, that would be enough golf balls to fill up the Mercedes-Benz Louisiana Superdome. 3,000 times. Um, you know, that when I think about one of these stars in our galaxy, and it's by far not even the biggest one, but there's a, there's a shrinking feeling that comes over me when I think about this. And it's not, it's not a bad one. It's a good one, but I, I feel like David is saying, you know, who, are you, who am I? It's this you are mindful of me, that you care so much for us. You know, this God is huge. You know, and you're thinking about just the, the wonder of the galaxies and the stars. I mean, this is just one, again, of, of billions of galaxies. Uh, one of billions, hundreds of billions of stars in our galaxy, and there might be 120 billion or more galaxies in our universe that we know about. I mean, it just, it, it boggles the imagination, and I can't really wrap my head around it, but um, what I can wrap my hand around is that there's a God who is really, really big. And most of my prayers, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit, are advising God, you know, drawing charts for God, you know, giving him pointers on how he should run the universe. Um, you know, when you step back and you realize just how big God is, can you imagine going to God with a big problem? You know, God, I got this really big problem. It's a doozy. Think you can handle it? He's like, man, I made Beetlejuice. Yeah, I can handle it. So one of the things I would, you know, as I think about how to become a person after God's own heart, here's another challenge for you. Uh, get out. I mean, not you and now. Okay, no, stay here. But get out. Uh, get outside. And what I mean by that is that sometimes we think, again, that worship is kind of confined to our hour that we spend on Sunday. And I love this auditorium. I love how uh, man has built this thing using God's raw materials. But still, we built this thing, okay? And it's an awesome tool for, for ministry, but... But have a worship service outside. It'd be great to get out into God's cathedral and see a little picture of what he's done in the earth. And there's not a better time in Richmond than November to be outside and to see just a little piece of the wonder of God's creation. And I don't know if most of you are outdoorsy or indoorsy. I mean, I, I love being outside, and I love uh, thinking about the wonders of God's creation when I do that. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I went to a place called Spy Rock. 
don't know if you've ever been there or not, but it's uh, about seven miles from the top of Crabtree Falls, and it's this one of the few places on the Appalachian Trail that you get kind of a 360 degrees view of, of the Blue Ridge Mountains and the valleys that surround it. And uh, I, when I walked up and I kind of saw that vista, it, it took my breath away. And so for the next you know, couple hours, I stood up there and waiting for other people to come up and have that same kind of reaction. And again, those, sometimes those, those, those instances in your life where you're just blown away by the, by the beauty of this world, it's just like it's, um, it does something to your soul. Maybe I really can't describe it, but it's something that I believe that um, it, it's, it's a worship experience. And it's more than just emotion. It's something that I think that God is um, ordained. Um, this was my view from my hammock. I spent 24 hours uh, hanging between two trees, and I can't tell you how deafening the silence was. There's no cell phone tower up there, no Wi-Fi, um, just me and God. And it doesn't have to be elaborate like that. Maybe you can get out and just take a, take a walk for an hour. But I do think you do need to do this. You need to schedule it. You know, uh, I didn't wait for, you know, just a day to sort of open up where nothing else was going on. I had to work extra before and work extra on the back end of that. But, um, you know, I think when we just schedule time to, to get outside or to do something that, that refreshes our soul, I think that's the way we can... Uh, hear from God. There's a couple, three quotes, a couple quotes that I just really love. Um, first one is from Blaise Pascal, written in 1662. All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. I can't believe you wrote that this long ago. I mean, what a prescription for our lives and for humanity's life to just get in a room alone, get in God's cathedral alone, and sit quietly and, and think and, and listen to God. Uh, a, a month ago to the day, Rob and I went to a conference, and one of the speakers, one of my favorite pastors, Bill Hevel, said this, I've never received a message from God when I'm moving 200 miles an hour. Self-explanatory. Uh, one of my favorite quotes made it to a t-shirt, uh, Nature, cheaper than therapy. Not many side effects with nature as well. Maybe a sore quad or something like that, but other than that... Uh, a lot cheaper than therapy. I recommend it. How can I be a person after God's own heart? Make a decision in your head to worship God. Be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. Make a decision in your heart to worship. Engage your heart. Do something that's going to engage your emotions and your heart towards God in worship and awe of him. And three, make a decision in your life to point toward Jesus. Uh, David came before Jesus, but I believe he was pointing towards him. Whether he knew it or not, I don't know. But uh, David's life was pointing towards the Messiah. Uh, he wrote this in Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? First of all, that's, again, that's some raw emotions. But uh, if you remember at the cross, Jesus said these very words. And I used to hear from youth pastors that said, oh, yeah, that was when God forsake Jesus and he just couldn't look at him and all that kind of stuff. But I, I believe it was something deeper than that. I believe that Jesus was pointing back a thousand years to what David wrote in this psalm and said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because David goes on in Psalm 22, verse 7. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Do you remember that scene from the cross? People mocking him, saying, Hey, Jesus, why don't you get down if you're the son of God? You know, save yourself, save us. Jesus was probably pointing to something that, that happened, that this wasn't happenstance. 
David goes on to write, Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Do you remember that happening at the cross? People taking off his clothes and casting lots for them. Do you remember when they pierced his hands and his feet? Uh, David wrote these words a thousand years before crucifixion was even invented. Um, I don't think it was a coincidence, and I don't think it was a coincidence that Jesus hung on the cross and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Pointing people to that psalm, a psalm like, that people knew as well as we know modern songs and the lyrics of songs, uh, to say that this wasn't an accident, that I'm here on my own volition, that I'm here on purpose. Uh, lastly, David writes this in Psalm 22, the poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. That's a promise that the poor will be satisfied. Uh, if you seek the Lord and praise him, your hearts will live forever. And again, I believe G Jesus is reflected in David's words there and that David's life was pointing uh, towards Jesus. And that leads me to the third challenge. Challenge number three is place your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've never done that before. You know, maybe you've just kind of come to church and thought, well, that's, that's good enough. Well, it's, it's so much more than that. Uh, maybe you've never placed your, your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. And I want to offer you a, a chance to do that today. Every week at Velocity, we, we take a little bit of bread and a little bit of juice, and we celebrate what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and through the resurrection, that scene from, from Psalm 22. And as people pass out communion, as we sing this song, uh, maybe that's where you can do some business with God. Uh, maybe you can say, God, I, I want to place my faith in Jesus. I've never taken that step before. Uh, I would just invite you to, to pray in your own words. Uh, pray as God, God leads you. And if you want some more tangible ways to do that, on the back of your Connect card, there's a place where you can mark. Uh, I'd like to talk to someone about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, right below that, there's a, a box you can check about. I'd like to talk to someone what it means to uh, be baptized. And maybe that's a, a line in the sand that you need to draw, something that you need to do as well. Uh, place your faith in Jesus if you've never done that before. Let me pray for us. Uh, God, we just uh, thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for your son who, who gives life to us, who gives uh, forgiveness. Uh, God, thank you for the words of David that, that pointed towards him. And uh, pray, God, that you would um, help us to place our faith in you in our heads and in our hearts. And God, that you would teach us how, what it means to be um, a more devoted follower of you. I thank you again for your gifts, for the cross, and through the resurrection. Uh, we praise you, God. Amen.